This morning's scripture, same as last week's, Romans 15, verses 14 through 21. I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by way of reminder because of the grace given me by God to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. In Christ Jesus, then, I have reason to be proud of my work for God, for I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed by the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that, I, so that from Jerusalem and all the way to Illyricum, I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand the word of God. Let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, as we look into these scriptures this morning, Father, we pray that your spirit would intervene in our hearts and minds. Lord, we are unable to understand the depths of your words, the depths of your meanings and your intention without your spirit helping us and aiding us in that process. And Father God, we pray this morning that we learn what it means to boast in you, that we embrace that, and we can go about our lives as Christians, boasting not in ourselves, but instead boasting in you. And Father, may the words I speak be not of me, be not of my own devices or my own making, but be glorifying and from you. For it is in Christ's name we pray, amen. So we look again at the same passage that we looked at last week. And as I mentioned to you last week, there's a lot of gold in this passage, and I didn't want to just to jump through to be getting through it and stop with last week's message to move on. I, I think that we need to really take the time to see what the Spirit has for us in this passage as we move through it. Last week we looked at Paul's goal and the goal of Paul's ministry. We're sort of going to look at that again this morning, but last week we focused on his goal not being a group of people that he leads to say a prayer of forgiveness. His goal in ministry wasn't being to see or to have a great number of converts. We spent a lot of time on that, and it may be surprising to hear that. Paul's goal was not on getting converts. His goal was on sanctifying people through Christ. And he wanted to bring a sanctified group of people to God and present them as the offering. And it's sort of backwards of today's church, is it not? Today's church, we spend so much time on getting converts We want to lead people to the Lord, and we kind of forget about them afterwards. There are some churches 
Every Sunday is going to be uh, you need to believe and confess your sins. And unfortunately, I think that's missing the whole point that Paul was making here. We need to be sanctified. We need to be made holy because we saw in the scriptures we will not see God unless he is holy, unless we are holy as he is holy. And that was Paul's goal. Paul, Paul's goal wasn't about getting a group of people to start the race. It was about getting those to finish the race. And by finishing the race is where we are sanctified, where we become holy, where God makes us into his image spiritually. So I, I think it's very important that we see that in this passage, that, that Paul's focus wasn't about um, bringing a lot of people to Christ, but it was about finishing the job. Now, don't get me wrong, bringing people to Christ is of utmost importance, because you don't get to the end if there's not a beginning. But we don't just focus on the beginning and forget the rest. Because it is the end that is the most important. If you start the race today and jump out tomorrow, then the end doesn't matter. Or the beginning doesn't matter. We're all about getting to the end. And that was Paul's, Paul's goal as well. To present as a sacrifice to God a group of Gentiles, the way he characterized it that was sanctified and also obedient to Christ and we talked about how being obedient to Christ equaled sanctification if you want to be godly if you want to be holy obey Christ that was the way Paul wrote about it so there's something else going on in this passage and he reiterates it three different times And it is this notion or idea of boasting in Christ. Boasting in Christ Jesus. And we see it in these verses. Verse 16. To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God, so that my offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. This was the premise from last week. That was his goal. Offer to God a group of Gentiles that are acceptable, and in order for them to be acceptable, they have to be sanctified, be made holy, and they're made holy by the Holy Spirit. In verse 17, Therefore in Christ Jesus I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. So we see verse 16 was a goal However, it's not the primary goal of these three verses that we're going to look at. We know this because verse 17 begins with what word? Therefore. So we're leading up to something. Verse 16, where Paul talks about what he's doing as a minister and priest of the gospel of God. What he's doing is offering a group of Gentiles so that they are acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. He's offering them to God Therefore, so we're kind of moving up the ladder, verse 16's pointing to verse 17. Because of what he does in 16, then he can do verse 17. So verse 17 is very foundational, foundational, and it is 
a premise of what Paul's getting at in this. He's saying, because of Christ Jesus, I have reason to be proud of the work that I've done. I have reason to boast in the work that has been accomplished. And then we move on to verse 18. We begin verse 18 with the word for. What can we replace the word for with? We've been through this. What can we pray, replace the word for with? Because. We see the word for, we can say it because. So, therefore, verse 16 is pointing to verse 17. As a result of the work that he did in 16, then he can boast in Christ Jesus. He has reason for boasting in things per, pertaining to God. Because I will not presume to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. So we have verse 18 beginning with the word for, which is because or why. So we have really two verses that are pointing to 17, right? We have 16 pointing down to 17 of this idea or notion of boasting in Christ. And we have verse 18 pointing back up to 17. Why can I boast in Christ? Because I don't presume to speak anything except what Christ has accomplished through me. And what he has accomplished through me results in the obedience of the Gentiles, them becoming holy, them becoming more godly, them changing from the unspiritual to the spiritual by word and by deed. So the way they act and the way they talk is totally different. Why? Because the Holy Spirit has worked through Paul to change their lives. Paul talks a lot about boasting throughout his epistles and his letters. And I'm going to run through just a few of those scriptures. 2 Corinthians 10, 17. But he who boasts is to boast in the Lord. He who boasts is to boast in the Lord. Galatians six fourteen. May it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ through which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. May it never be that I would boast or be boastful or brag except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 15.10 But by the grace of God I am what I am. And his grace did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them, yet not I, but the grace of God with me. So we see the way that Paul's giving credit and glory to God in everything that he accomplished. And in a backhanded sort of way, he is boasting in Christ Jesus by what all he did. I worked harder than everybody else, Paul said, but it really wasn't me. It wasn't me doing this. If it had been left up to me, I would have been laying on the couch eating Cheetos, watching Netflix. But because of God and what the Holy Spirit was doing in and through me, I was working harder than everybody else. Romans 3.27 Where then is boasting? It is excluded. Where can we be 
braggadocious or where can we claim responsibility for anything good? We can't. We can't. It is excluded, as Paul says here. Boasting is sinful. Boasting is dark and ugly and ungodly in every way. It is strictly forbidden in the Bible. And I think we all know that. And the problem with boasting is it naturally flows from the pride that is within us. Does it not? It it flows out of an ugly heart that cares about one thing. And that's me. That's where boasting comes from. We know that God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. So we've talked about many times there is a rub between God and pride and and that rub is we kind of put ourselves on his throne. We kind of take over for God. I got this God, let me take care of it. I could probably do a better job than you can, says the boastful person. And there's a lack of trust that is baked in that type of thinking. But Paul makes it clear that we should boast in Christ in all of our work as Christians. That we should boast in Christ in all of our work as Christians. Now I gotta admit, this is a hard area for me. It's difficult, A, for me to understand and B, for me to do. It's difficult on many different levels. I have, those of you that know me, serious problems with boasting. Not for me myself, but from others. I try not to. That's the last thing in the world that I want to do because I so despise to see it in others. You can do wonderful, great things in this world, but if you boast about it, I'm going to write you off. I cannot stomach a boastful attitude or boasting that comes from within someone. And I think that's part of my problem with this. I I so despise boasting that I don't boast in Christ. Because I don't want it to be portrayed as if me, myself, am doing the boasting. I think the problem with boasting in Christ is it has to be sincere. It has to be sincere. And you all can see when it's insincere a mile away. And you've seen it, no doubt. I've seen it. That, that, that's part of my pushback on this. And that, that's part of my hesitancy to fully embrace what Paul's wanting us to do here. And the point that Paul is trying to make. We can see fake boasting in Christ, right? You've probably been around pastors or other people that talk about all these great things that they're doing. And then at the end, God be the glory. It's, it's that little ending to it all that they just throw in there because they know they're supposed to right they, they know that boasting is bad but they're going to boast and yeah they're going to add this little to God be the glory at the end of it to make them feel better about it that's problematic because they're just kind of camouflaging their own desire for boasting or their own desire to make themselves feel good And I'm sure that 
most of you, if not all of you, have seen it. And we've heard those, and we just sort of subconsciously roll our eyes at that and walk away. Whatever, you know. I know that the heart is impure. And so it is a matter of the heart. So I think it's because of those types of situations that I avoid this. I really, really do. That's not right. It's not right. I mean, I confess to you my, my shortcoming in this area, the same as I do whenever we're talking about the Holy Spirit and what all He does and His gifts and all that. Because I see Him abused so much, I tend not to put a lot of credence in what He does, and that's not right either. So I, I think that we need to be open to what God is telling us to do, specifically here what Paul is telling us to do, to boast in Christ Jesus regardless of how difficult it may be or how hard it may be for each one of us to do that. Paul didn't hesitate to boast in the Lord, and I think that we're supposed to do the same. I think that that's the point that he's trying to make here, that that we should be boasting in the Lord, and I think that it comes down to a, a matter of perspective. It's a matter of how we look at the situation. If we think in our hearts that we're responsible for whatever it is that we're talking about, then we're going to push back on any type of boasting. But if we go into it knowing that we are absolutely not responsible for anything that is happening, that it is only God working through us, then I think it becomes much easier. At least it does for me. When I can have the realization that, Scott, no matter what you say, no matter what good that you do, it's not you, it's God working through you to accomplish that, then it becomes easier in my mind to boast in Christ Jesus, to glorify Him. And you see, if we don't do that, if we just allow things to happen and don't boast in Christ Jesus, then are we not stealing His glory? Are we not taking away the glory that he deserves? One of the greatest things as a pastor is to see someone's life change. And if we think we are the reason for that, then we're going to boast in ourselves. But if we fully know and understand and embrace the concept that really you're not doing anything, it is Christ that's working in and through you, then it becomes a lot easier to glorify God for that change in whatever life it may be. And I think that's the perspective that we have to look at it as we move forward in order for us to really boast in Christ. If we look at it as though we are excited that God is using us, that He has chosen to use us, In whatever work he has as his vessels, we should find that exciting. We should be astonished and grateful and thankful and see it as a very humbling thing that God uses us in his ministry. He uses us the same way that he used Paul 2,200 years ago. That's pretty amazing. He uses us in spite of ourselves. Do you think Paul deserved to be used? No. He was not deserving to be used. He killed Christians. 
Do you think I'm deserving to be used? No. I'm not deserving to be used at all. But Satan gets in our minds and tries to tell us, yeah, you are. Yeah. You are. And when we do that, then we tend to boast in ourselves, right? Nebuchadnezzar comes to my mind. Remember what happened in Nebuchadnezzar? He had a great kingdom. Great kingdom. And he looked out over that kingdom and he said, look what I created. Look what I did. Well, that was a problem, wasn't it? Because then he becomes like a beast of the field. He got all kinds of gnarly hair and long toenails and was grazing the field. And it wasn't until he realized, I didn't do anything. Everything that happened was from God. And until he gave glory to God that he didn't come back to his right mind. I mean, he basically lost his mind because of that boasting in himself. And it wasn't until he boasted in God that things were changed, that things were rectified. So we have to put it in the proper perspective and understand that it's not us, that it's not us doing it. And it's hard to keep that in mind. Just remember, you would have no desire whatsoever, no desire to serve God if it wasn't for Him working in you. You would have had no desire to come to church this morning. And maybe you don't. Maybe it's your wife that's beating you over the head to make you come to church this morning, if that's a whole different sermon. But you would have no desire to come to church this morning if it wasn't for God working in you to give you that desire to bring you here. You would be on the street the same as all other unbelievers. That's humbling, or at least it it should be. This, verse 17, Therefore in Christ Jesus I have found reason for boasting in things pertaining to God. This is his crowning achievement. This is Paul's crowning achievement, was boasting in Christ that Christ worked through him to present a sanctified and obedient people to God. And so he could boast in God, or in Christ. If you think about it, this is how God works, isn't it? It's how he goes about doing his business on earth. His spirit works in and through us, To bring about a holy and obedient people. Just the way it happens. He doesn't snap his fingers and we all become holy and obedient. He works in and through others and us to bring us to that place where he desires us to be at the end of it all. And that's how he accomplishes his goal or accomplishes his task to bring about obedient and sanctified people. It is in the work and power of God that we boast and should boast. Let's circle back around to verse 15. But I have written to you boldly, and look how Paul, even on this passage, I have written to you boldly on some points as to remind you again because of the grace that was given me from God. So he's written almost 15 chapters of this letter to the Romans. I don't know how long it's taken him. It's taken him quite a while. He was in Corinth as he was penning this letter to the church at Rome. 
And he says, I've written to you all, and, and I've been pretty bold to you on some points, but the only reason I'm doing it, it's not me that's doing it, it's because of the grace that God has given me. So even this writing task that he has taken up to write the Romans, to give them direction, to help remind them of what they should or shouldn't do, it's not me. It's by the grace of God that this is being accomplished. A brush does not take credit for the masterpiece. A violin does not take credit for the beautiful music that it plays. We should think of ourselves in the same light. We don't take credit for what God accomplishes through us. He is the artist behind the brush. We are the brush. He is the musician behind the violin. We are the violin. God is acting on us, in us, and through us to bring an obedient and godly people to himself. Now you might think, well, this is good for pastors, but what does it mean for me? What does it mean for me as an individual believer that's here this morning listening to you? Let's jump back to verse 14. And concerning you, my brethren, I myself am convinced that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to admonish one another. Now, Paul has only heard what is going on in Rome. He has only been told what the church consists of. And yet, here he has heard many good things. And he is convinced that they're on the right path. That they're full of goodness, filled with knowledge, and able to admonish one another. He was convinced that they were able to help each other. That they were all pulling in the same direction direction so admonishing carries with it this idea of encouragement it carries with it a warning and it carries with it giving advice so encouragement warning and advice and he's instructing them that that that's what they're supposed to be doing that's how a church is supposed to be moving forward Verse 14 and 15 do a wonderful job of demonstrating how God works in the church. We see Paul talking to the congregation here, and then he kind of pivots and talks to himself as the leader of that congregation. And that helps us to understand that. He's telling the readers that you're supposed to encourage one another, you're supposed to warn one another, And you're supposed to advise each other. Paul did a wonderful job of doing all of those to every church that he came in contact with. Every church that he started and every church that he wrote to. Yet, that job was handed off to them. That job was given to them to self-govern. To do among each other. 
And I don't think we should overlook that this morning. It was God to Paul, Paul to the congregants, the congregants to each other. You could actually remove Paul from the equation and it would be God to individual congregants and then them to each other. It is a self-governing notion that is dependent on God's guidance. There was encouragement that was passed through. There was also warning and advising each other that was passed along and amongst each other. Unfortunately today, churches rely too heavily on, on the Paul's. We leave that up to the Pauls, the preacher, the pastor. We leave it up to him to encourage. We leave it up to him to warn. We leave it up to him to advise. Yet Paul says, that's all of our jobs. We're all supposed to do that with each other. So let's look at the three. The three words that are kind of wrapped up in that admonishment. Encouragement. That's easy, right? But we don't do it enough. It's absolutely critical, but to encourage someone is probably the easiest of the three. And yet I think that we we kind of drop the ball. But we should be of great encouragement to each other. But what about warning and advising. It starts to get a little more difficult, doesn't it? Starts to get a little hairy. And those of you that's been trudging along with us through our, our Bible study, no one understand that this is a big big part of the Bible study. Do we warn and advise each other in spiritual things? Do we do that? Clearly, I think we would warn and advise each other in physical things, right? If someone's going to go outside and they don't see a car coming and we see a car coming and they're crossing the road and we know the physical damage that's going to ensue, we'll scream, we'll run, we'll push, we'll do whatever we can to save them from that physical harm. Will we not? We will. Because that's just what we do. But do we do the thing, same things with respect to the spiritual harm? When we see somebody engaging in either an activity or a way of thinking or something that's going to cause a horrible collision and destroy them spiritually, do we, do we warn and advise? Or do we just ignore it and say, oh, that's their business? Or that's the preacher's job? Paul says it's not. Paul says it's everybody's job. Because the church is a corporate entity. And we're here to admonish, to encourage, to warn, to advise each other. I'll tell you, it's way more important to help advise and encourage and warn each other on spiritual matters than it is that car that's coming down the street when you walk out the church. Because everybody here knows that we just got a few years left, but we got all eternity, and all eternity depends on those spiritual trucks that are coming at us head on. So it is that warning 
and that advising of each other that is extremely important. And we should commit ourselves to love each other enough to do that. Say, I want to see you all make it to the end, and we're going to work together to get to that end. Why do we shy away from that? Why does that put so much fear in our hearts? Could it be that we don't really think enough of eternity and we think more of the temporal time that we have here on earth? I think that's part of it. I think that's definitely part of it. I think there's a fear of what's going to come, right? There's a fear of the reaction that's going to take place. But the fear comes from what? The fear comes from a lack of faith and trust in God. God tells us this is what we're supposed to do. And if we don't do it because of fear of what's going to happen, then we're not trusting in God that he knows better than we do. I think that's the ultimate reason why we push back on this so much. You know, it's, it's like our children that we, we're, we worry about their salvation and we worry about making sure that they know Christ in a salvific way and come to share in the joy of Christ. And sometimes as a parent, that can be mind-numbing. But it's only mind-numbing because there's a lack of trust in God's plan. If we truly trust that God's got this, that He's going to be faithful to His Word regardless of how He's got this, then that fear sort of wanes away so if we trust God's plan and trust that he knows better than we do there should be no fear in doing those things with each other and encouraging advising and warning each other the great commission calls for us to make disciples of others and it calls for everyone to do that Not just pastors, not just the Pauls of this world. But when that happens, how is it happening? To wrap this up. Whenever you go to someone and you warn or advise or encourage, how is that happening? It is happening because it is the Spirit of God working through you to help a brother or sister in Christ. And it is in that, and you know that you're just being used as that painter's brush or that musician's violin that you glorify Christ when that happens and so that is the point whether it is my ministry your ministry whosoever it may be know that it is Christ working in and through us to glorify God and we keep that at the forefront of our minds then we can boast in Christ Jesus. We can think, thank God for using us as his brush, for using us as his violin, when we don't deserve that. Don't boast in ourselves, but boast in Christ Jesus. Amen? Let us pray. Most gracious God, Lord, we thank you for these words of Paul and how difficult they are, I know they are for me, to understand exactly how it is and what it is we're supposed to boast in, Father. And 
Lord, we pray that you help us to come to grips with that in our minds, that we embrace you as using us as your instrument and see that as just an unimaginable privilege that you've given to us, Lord. And Father, with that, may we boast in you. May we glorify you in all that we do, and we do not boast in ourselves. For it is in Christ's precious name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand.